Fellas, I'm Brian. I'm Brad. And this is the spoiler section of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the either <laughs> the either shielded uh, jointy skunky or the straight up skunky. I think I'm going to put that in the habit so I don't have to scrub through to remember what the uh, ratings are when I'm typing the title later. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, Brad, I I did this to you. I you did, did I did something worse to you than stretch <laughs> or tag. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Those were at least watchable. This to me almost was almost unwatchable. I, but I would say to its defense, I would say it's probably a good movie if I had a better working understanding of Hamlet. And if I wanted to put in the time or dedication to watch or read Hamlet, then come back <laughs> to this movie. And probably watch it without ads would probably help too, so I could stay in it a little bit. But probably not. <laughs> I, I'm not putting in that much time and dedication to this movie. Yeah. Uh, just so I... Actually, that's interesting. Which which uh, platform did you watch it on? I watched it with the less ads but longer ones because those ads felt like they took forever. Yeah, yeah, I watched it both ways. Um, yeah, there's not there's no ideal way except spending money, and yet I don't want people to regret spending money. So yeah, especially when, especially if we rate it so low, I really feel I'd feel bad if somebody was like, "Oh yeah, let's do this," and they go out and buy a copy of this movie for 10 bucks and put it in their put it in their dvd player for the first time and just not like it and then realize they wasted ten dollars yeah we, or whatever we, this movie's we, worth we've warned you now <laughs> yes um watch it for free if you like it run with it yeah so let's see it it, it does have some funny moments it does have some moments that i kind of like was like like a puppy when they kind of turn their head like eh? <laughs> um in the beginning when they're playing like um like verbal tennis <laughs> um indoor indoor verbal tennis that was yeah. kind of interesting the game the of coin flipping in the beginning yeah. was interesting um and i figured the, out what the purpose of the coin flipping was besides uh you know being the first hint that they're in a play um the it keeps flipping heads because it's like that is the scripted part well i don't know if it's scripted in hamlet but in terms of the reality of this movie as in like the normal speak and blah 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 and there's nothing like it's literally just talking normally uh or talking scripted or in shakespearean language uh, it was scripted for him to lose the coin to the uh, performer. So it had to be heads, so he'd lose it. That's why the second time it's no longer scripted, and that's why it could be heads or tails. Yeah. I mean, I just don't have a, a good enough knowledge of the Hamlet to really go through it like that. But, I mean, I, some of the other things were pretty funny. The outside of the tennis was like they kept confusing each other's names <laughs> and yeah they kept like that that was super confusing for a really long time that like and they had to decide on who was who and because the one guy answered to um 
Rosencrantz. And then he was like, well, surprise me with my name. And then he kind of stood there for a second there and he was like, Guildenstern. He's like, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gary Oldman's character keeps forgetting his own uh, name uh, in and that could be for one of two reasons in the script Hamlet, which we see, you know, anytime actual characters are, well, no, no, that's a lie. Uh, when the King and queen meet them for the first time, the King messes up their name. So it could be that, but in the bread sword video, he like implies that they don't keep things straight because that's not necessary to the script. Uh, you know, they never say, or because they're scripted characters, details can get confused when they are outside of the scripting area. That's why later Guildenstern is like, do you ever wonder, uh, get confused about how to spell which, or I think he says house. Cause you don't remember ever seeing it written down. Um, things like that. Um, they make reference to it being a script towards the end too, when they were talking about when they watched the death of on the play, he falls into the um, mattresses or whatever. Um, Cause they, they have like a whole big monologue about death and stuff like that, about and that part too, um, which was kind of interesting. But again, by that time I've mostly checked out this movie. <laughs> I think that moment was the most, what the fuck was that? Uh, that I had the first time, and then, you know, going back and rewatching. Yeah, I'm not going to keep repeating <laughs> that I went back and watched it and got other people to who were smarter than me, um, but or who knew. But I don't know. Uh, anyway, the I guess the point of the players are that since they are players in a play, they are the only ones who have the sight to realize that everything is a play, and that. Their light, they they will never die unless they want to. And even if they die, they will always come back to perform again. So that's why every time we kind of, except for like in the bathhouse, um, every time we run into them as a group and clothed, <laughs> they are performing. And even at the end, spoilers, but we're in spoilers. Um, even at the end when he is in fact stabbed for real, he having the power of the player who can, who realizes that everything can be fake if he wants it to be is like, ah, it was a performance or everyone else starts clapping. And then he reveals that he didn't die. So they're kind of, they're kind of like uh, the Morgan Freeman in Bruce Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or since I mentioned Matrix in the last one, they are someone who can see the code <laughs> of the Matrix. <gasps> I thought that was a stupid comparison, but it was still pretty stupid, but not as stupid. <laughs> well, they don't have any cool martial arts. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that I, you know what I'm realizing. Those cool martial arts probably did a lot for that movie. Without the cool martial arts, we'd probably be like the mate. Oh, that other movie that was as impenetrable and dumb as Guildenstern or Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <sighs> and then we wouldn't even know who the Wachowski sisters are. 
and we wouldn't have Speed Racer and uh, and other stuff. Please don't. <laughs> Are you? Excuse me. That's all. Look, if the ingredients can be like uh, put into heady, impenetrable philosophy, philosophy shit, and cool kung fu, uh, it it's not exactly this, but Speed Racer just falls firmly into the cool kung fu camp, except with cars. <laughs> like you're gonna, even if you think it's dumb, you're gonna be entertained. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you stick to that? I'm gonna stick to movies like Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> Which just got announced as a, as a second, they're gonna make a second one. That one's wild! Oh man! You, you don't you don't realize that was wild it wild and great. You don't realize it yet, but that's like saying, "Okay, you stick with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I'm gonna go with another <laughs> Kung Fu masterpiece that I don't know that, that, that I can't think of off the top. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're you're a lot closer than you think. <laughs> Be like Granny Smith apples. Oh my god, I'm gonna go with now. Nah, Granny Smith apples are pretty much the black sheep of the apples because they're sour. But it'd be like saying Fuji apples. Ugh, I'm gonna eat pink lady apples. It's like they're they're barely <laughs> different. You lost me an apple. <laughs> um, or uh, say ah. Uh, Fuck that new Batman movie. I'm gonna watch The Dark Knight. It's like they're kind of they're closer than you think, bro. <laughs> Fair enough. Finally, it just takes me like four times to get it right. <laughs> That's why editing exists, even though I don't edit these. Uh, a little bit. Not much though. <laughs> Literally just any silence before I say gals and any silence after we're like okay bye for the 17th time <laughs> oh boy yeah. um i mean I, I don't really have much else about this movie i mean i really i watched it you know full disclosure like like a week and a half ish ago um and then life got in our way but yeah i just have like zero ambition to watch this movie a second time <laughs> i have zero ambition to actually watch hamlet to actually understand this movie <laughs> it seems like a lot of a lot of back for me to to go forward so um, what go ahead one thing i learned from that uh review that i mentioned the non-spoiler like that one review on youtube real easy to find um which by the way the creator looking at the like recently posted YouTube videos, it looks like their YouTube channel is dead. And then I checked out their Patreon. My God, they are still getting like multiple thousands of dollars a month. They do like private YouTube, like YouTube essays or whatever for their patrons. I'm like, good for you. Like yeah, normally when you see, see, I mean, I guess they like blew up back in the day and they just kept their audience. I'm like, good job. You didn't, you, you know, Anyway, even if the algorithm's not serving you, you you served yourself. Um, they said that uh, Rosencrantz, there's a lot, there's a running like joke of Rosencrantz uh, butting heads or cut or creating historical 
uh, instances of like science and stuff. Like he gets Newton's apple dropped on his head. He he makes some like windmill um, yeah, like scenes. Yeah, or like what's that one thing that the little kids play with? You blow and it spins, um, like a pinwheel or whatever. Yeah. Um. So that was cool, just to know. Um. And then, yeah, I I actually loved two things one how they start uh asking about like their memories and realizing they don't really have any memories from before the time that we see them on screen they they in fact don't even remember being called until they talk about it enough that it comes up as a flashback but then another thing i really loved was how they played with language like the this is probably the dumbest ver well i have two off the top of my head um early on gildenstern tim roth asked gary oldman's rosencrantz what's the first thing you remember he's like you mean the first thing that comes to mind which is one way to interpret it and then he's like no the first thing you remember from ever he's like okay like the first memory you've ever had Oh, by now I've forgotten it again, which is also at that point, it's a little bit more asinine of a reading, but then he gets through and explains the whole thing. And I, I loved that. And then later the player, when talking about Hamlet and why Hamlet's acting so unhinged, he says, uh, the old man thinks he's in love with his daughter. And this time both of them got confused which i appreciated it wasn't always just rosencrantz but he's like hamlet is in love with his daughter and he's like no the old man thinks he's in love with his daughter he's like what and like because that is one interpretation he's like and he had to like get so specific to say hamlet is in love with the daughter who is the daughter of the king the king thinks I don't know. I don't know why that tickled my funny bone so much, but it was more like, even though these conversations are dependent on Rosencrantz misunderstanding and in that light being seen as dumb, I saw it as a kind of love letter to the flexibility of language. Like I, I really just, it tickled me. I was like, that's, that's actually pretty smart. The writing itself is very smart. Um, it's kind of one of those movies you probably wouldn't mind watching it with subtitles just to make sure you catch things. Um, but, I mean, it, it is very quick. It is very witty. It is very intelligent in a way of, like you said, you know, they play with the language and they play with meaning and they play with, you know, interpretations of, of the sentences or of the ideas that they're trying to bring across. So I mean, to that regard, it's, it's it was good. Yeah, um, and even if you there's stuff that like I don't understand, I can tell there's a lot of thought put into it. Like I don't understand what the pages flying around were. I'm sure it is connected maybe to it being a play, like the universe the, just the feeding them the script. But then when I see the pages later when uh rosencrantz is 
talking about being dead, how everyone freaks out about being dead, but really they're imagining being alive in a box. Uh, that it didn't look like script pages at all. It looked like a textbook. So I was like, what? Um, but also, let me guess. In the spoiler-free section, you mentioned seeing scenes from a different perspective. Was the scene you had in mind the uh, the to be or not to be scene? Yes. Yeah. That I love that. Uh, but you couldn't too. actually hear. You couldn't actually hear what he was saying. You yeah. could just see, you could see him just kind of acting it out. Yeah, he and they actually had kind of a closer shot on him when he said to be or not to be, but it was completely silent. We see that the and then we hear uh, that is the question. That's the only thing we hear from that speech. And Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are watching. And what what is he saying? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was really cool. And these days I wouldn't be surprised if it would turn into some dumb fight with an executive where they'd be like, we have to have that line. Uh, so in today's time, I, I'd say it's actually very brave of them not to say it, which sounds weird. It shouldn't be brave. It's just a cool artistic choice. Um, big difference. Yeah. But by the end, they they feel the metaphorical noose tightening around their neck before it physically does. And they start debating with each other like, okay, what do we do? How do we get out of this? Like, it seems like everything we do will point us towards a noose. And Rosencrantz is like, I'll jump overboard. And Guildenstern rightfully points out, unless that's what they want you to do. It's like, all right, I won't. And I mess them up that way. Um, and what was the last lines? I didn't get to watch that today. But right before they're killed, the player basically implies, all right, I'll see you at the next performance. <laughs> um, like, we're, this isn't death till next time or something like that. Yeah, I'm checking the um, IMDb to see because I got a bunch of quotes and stuff here. I literally have it open just so I can remember who's Rosencrantz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, there's so many quotes. I mean, I I'm pretty sure IMDb at this point has like the entire script of the movie broken up, scattered, rearranged. Yeah. Um, and then. One thing, the first thing that was very, very, very confusing to me was when they had been with the players in the forest and then suddenly teleported into Hamlet's castle. And that was another thing that Breadsword pointed out. Like, it basically implied it, them continuing the journey and actually traveling and seeing them is pointless, like, for, the, for an audience. So yeah. they just skip ahead. But then there are like play the players put on a play in Hamlet, which is something Hamlet has or uh, Shakespeare has done in like a Midsummer's Night stream and had a play in a play. So that started getting even more confusing to me with the puppets. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's yeah. very it's very thought out. It is, it is very deliberate. Yeah, and everything they do is very, very deliberate. Um, it's just one of those movies 
that everything in the movie has a reason for it. There's no fluff. There's no BS. There's no extension of time for any reason. It's just everything's very deliberate, very thought out, very to the point. Yeah. Just, I don't know. It's just not, not, not for me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, but, uh, it was very cool to see Ian Glenn. I, I mean, if I ever meet any of the people in this, uh, I'm just gonna shock and be like, man, I can't promise that I understood everything, but damn, how was it on Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? And they'd just be like, there's a fifty percent five people. Yeah, there's a five people that watch that movie. It's a fifty percent chance they're gonna be like, "What? <laughs> what movie?" And another fifty percent percent chance they're gonna be like, "Millennial? What? <laughs> Say, what? <laughs> You're one of the five people that see this movie. That's they literally. My mom watched this yeah, movie. Literally, no one on earth who was born after this movie came out saw this movie. Wow. <laughs> and be like, well, we, I'm going to blow your mind. There's one more person. <laughs> His name is Brad. I think, I think we both are, were born before this movie. Oh, really? Well, I know we weren't born before the play, but uh, no. <laughs> when did Not this movie? By a long shot. Oh, 1990. All right. Yeah. Fine. Fuck. And it, it came out in 91 in the States. God damn it. I was born September 17th, 1989. Damn Perfect. it. Damn it, mom. <laughs> Couldn't have waited. I mean, uh, damn it, Mary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has a great rating. Yeah. On, um, I, on IMDb, which is user ratings, which is really, I mean, maybe it's it's, it's these, these are English film majors, English film majors that are reviewing this movie. What, what's a here? I'm gonna look up Juno on IMDb and see how many ratings that has. So, you know, something that was well, maybe that's unfair because that was it was very popular. It blew up, but. uh I want to see what a niche film that was well loved. How many ratings it got? Okay, <laughs> fuck. Never mind. That had half a million ratings. Let me. I got the right one. That was the wrong choice because that one blew up so much. Okay. All right. That's fair. Ruby Sparks, which is a movie I love, has a hundred thousand IMDb ratings, and I've never met a goddamn person on earth who knew what it was before I told them about it. So, to keep that in context, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead has twenty two thousand one hundred forty five IMDb ratings. So, I think it's pretty fair to say that only people who would have loved this film saw it for the most part. You know. So that's something to be said, but for the people who love it, it has great ratings. There is, let's see, I think less than 20% who gave it a six or lower. Definitely less than maybe, let's see, um, I think I'm not adding the math up quickly enough, but 
five or less is like 10% of the audience who rated it. So we are in the minority of the people who would have rated it. Yeah. Like I said, but a lot of this movie is probably more directed towards film majors, English play majors, more studied scholarly people, not so much um general population, I would say. Gen pop. Yeah. But I do hmm. Because, you know, there are some movies that I think are only for a niche audience and yet I don't want to mention Batman v Superman because I will piss off somebody. But if you look at it, you can be like, okay, I didn't like it, but I can tell that something is structurally off. Um, And at least I don't know if you think differently, but I don't feel like there's anything really I don't know what the structure is, but I can tell that it was done very well. Does that make sense? Like, this is in good hands, and whatever the fuck they were going for, they did it well, but yeah. it might not be for us. It might, it's not for everybody. Yeah. So they hit the, they hit the bullseye. <laughs> I don't think Batman v Superman hit the bullseye in the audience they were going for. Let's yeah, say. I mean, but there's... You know what? I'm, let's forget Batman v Superman. I love you all. You're all very angry and I'm scared of you. Let's just say Eternals. <laughs> Eternals was a, was a mess. You know, it's just, it didn't hit the bullseye. Yeah. Um, it was a good movie that didn't hit where they wanted to hit, I'm sure. Um, and I don't think they can use the excuse of COVID. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Eternals or Rosenstein's? Yeah. Uh, Eternals. Yeah, yeah uh, Gildenstern definitely can't. Rosenstein, Gildenstern definitely can't use. <laughs> um, yeah, but I honestly, I'm I enjoyed the insight that Brad Sword gave, and yeah, I don't regret. Yeah. If I if I fucking hated this, if <laughs> as as you so respectfully do, I wouldn't have watched it again. I'd be like, ah, I regret adding this. I I regret making you feel bad, but I. <laughs> um, it's not that or, I feel bad. Or, just, you, no, yeah, no. I regret that you didn't love it or at least enjoy it as much as I did, which is I still would give it like a. If I gave it a good rating, I'd be like, I don't understand, but I know it deserves this for the right person. <laughs> for, for the right person, this movie is a gem. I mean, this yeah. movie, but I'm not the audience that they're looking for at this. I am not. <laughs> yeah. Not, not I. All right. Now let's flip the uh, switch from reasonable to uh, your uh, average person on Twitter. Uh, this movie would suck for the average person. This is no. <laughs> so, actually, that's that is unfair. That wouldn't be the average person, the loudest person on Twitter. The joke I was going for is, "Uh, I don't like it, so it bad movie." <laughs> yeah, caveman. <laughs> it's it must be worst movie because I did not like it. <laughs> My favorite movie be Batman v Superman. <laughs> This is not cinematic achievement like Army of Dead. 
<laughs> Evil Dead. Yeah, I'm I'm much more I hate that I'm much more partial to Evil Dead because Evil Dead gets under my skin and that's its job. But I yes. hate <laughs> there's that there was actually a very interesting moment where I was watching Ash versus the Evil Dead and I was feeling that skin crawly feeling of Evil Dead for like the first however many episodes, and then that stopped happening. And it wasn't because I got used to it. It's because Sam Raimi doesn't direct every episode. I think he directed like the pilot and maybe a couple other episodes. There was a couple of them. Yeah. So at a certain point, some director took over and they kept succeeding at doing the Sam Raimi under your skin. Uh, but then the the other directors lost it. Um, so that was a very interesting sensation to be like, huh. I'm now watching this film and I don't want to die (laughs) (laughs) or a show. Uh, Anyway, I have not seen it. Are you an evil dead kind of guy? No, not really. I mean, I know I've seen at least the first one because I think it's what three movies and a TV show. Yeah, there's a um... evil dead one, evil dead two. There's I think there's another one. Yeah, Evil Dead 1 and 2 are essentially the same movie, Sam Raimi has said as much, with a different cast besides Bruce Campbell, um, and then Army of, Darkness. Army of Darkness, and then there was a remake of Evil Dead by a different director, which I didn't see, and then Ash versus Evil Dead, I think there was a video game, or there's going to be a video game, and then I think they also announced that Bruce Campbell was going to come back for a, a Evil Dead Four, which I don't know how what that means. Like, is it Evil Dead Four, or is Holy it crap. and it's a sequel to Army of Darkness, or is it Ash vs Evil Dead? And by the way, I haven't watched Army of Darkness yet, so I don't know how that ties into the TV show. You. So before we get back to our movie, since we're on this topic here, I'm just looking up the Evil Dead. Um. Do you know what the budget for Evil Dead was? The first one? First one. Oh, like made, probably, probably made real, in 1981. Probably less than $100,000 even by today's standards. Uh, 375,000. Hmm. Do you f- know how much that Do you know how much that raked in worldwide? The first one? Yeah. 375,000. 3750000. They zero, were zero. in film school. <laughs> Fuck you. You fucking god damn it. I thought it was a more inspiring story. <laughs> um they, they got ninety thousand from investors. From yeah. I know, from their short I... story within the woods. Okay, evil uh, okay. Evil Dead 2 is 3.5 million, so that still makes sense, but the the box office for the evil dead. Was between two point seven and twenty nine point four million. <laughs> like I can promise you, by today's standards, if I ever make a film, the first one's going to be way less than a thousand dollars, a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars. Because, like, what? When was the first Evil Dead came? When did the first Evil Dead came out? Come on. Okay. Uh, inflation calculator. We're basically done. I, I'll, I'm 
for anyone listening, unless Brad wants to say something else about Rosencrantz. Uh, I just got the budget and box office, but other than that, I'm, I'm solid. <laughs> All right, go for the budget and box office. I'm going to inflation calculator the uh, the budget just to make me more pissed off. Yeah, um, so the budget for this movie was uh, 2.43 million euros. Uh, and the box office um, was seven hundred thirty-nine thousand in North America and sixty-five, almost sixty-six million euro or sixty-six thousand euros. Sorry, in the UK. So it bombed so it did, pretty hard. It, yeah, half. That's the weird thing because I've in that breadsword video he mentions that uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet is literally, literally the only adaptation of Shakespeare that's ever made a profit. So I. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why money grubbing um, execs keep green lighting. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard because like you're targeting such a specific audience. Oh, here we go. You figured it out. Usinflationcalculator dot com. If in nineteen eighty one. I purchased an item for three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Then in twenty twenty-two, mind you, we just went through like eight percent inflation. So let me actually put this back to twenty twenty. I'm just going to be fair. That same item would cost one million sixty-seven thousand seven hundred two dollars and fifteen cents. And in today, in twenty twenty-two, I'll be now for the less fair. That same item would cost one. Million one hundred ninety two thousand sixty nine six hundred ninety three dollars and eighty nine cents. Fuck no, no, no one's. If I, I don't care if I make a great short film. No one's giving me a million dollars to make a fucking. Well, maybe a horror film because those actually do really well. Yeah, well, especially even the like the the dumber they are, the more they make. (laughs) This. And they only got nine. Wait, you said they only raised ninety ninety thousand from investors. Yeah. So basically, ba- based off their short story, so uh, within we, the woods. So they put in two hundred eighty-five thousand dollars of their own money. All right, they're rich as fuck. They put in nine hundred six thousand dollars. All right. At least they spent their own money, but you know, I I, I don't know. They made it back I, though. I. I yeah, but I think inside I kind of connected Sam Raimi a lot closer to Robert Rodriguez, as in I pour, I do good, I make, you know, success. And clearly I, I, I make money. Yeah, I mean you I just, you know. All right. I'm gonna remember that it, I'm just gonna keep reminding myself that I gotta be Robert Rodriguez because <laughs> I can't be Sam Raimi. <laughs> I don't got nine hundred six thousand dollars lying around. I'm a few hundred short of that. Nine hundred short. Yeah, nine hundred dollars. Nine hundred thousand dollars short. <laughs> nine hundred thousand pennies short. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyway, that's it. Uh. What did you think? Like, this is, I'm, I don't know. Like uh, I said, to the right person, this is a, this is an absolute gem to the right person. To me, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> to the right person, 
to you, honestly you could have just been like to me <laughs> but to the right person <laughs> <laughs> the right person this might be a 20 dollar movie to me yeah, might pick it up at the bargain bin on 25 cents <laughs> <laughs> Hey, at least you'd be willing to, you know, spend a Costco water bottle, which is, in fact, 25 cents in there. Vending um, machine? Yes. Thank you, bud. Well, this movie may have been a shielded, uh, jointy skunky. Or just straight up skunky. But either way, this movie was definitely in Christopher Nolan's porn folder. And by the way, he does real folders. He doesn't know know how to use a laptop. He doesn't even have his own cell phone. He has an actual folder with a somehow, somehow 4K Dolby <laughs> remixed version of this. Not a DVD standard quality, you, you pigs. <laughs> That's what he said. I didn't. I think you're all fine people. And he put it in the folder. And that's what he thinks a porn folder is. <laughs> he's a dinosaur <laughs> I'm losing it I'm losing it um, he, what are you trying to go for um, in Shorzy he puts together folders for new team members in the Letterkenny spinoff, spinoff show <laughs> and he calls it a specific thing it's not a dossier it's something else and it was just so dumb Dumb funny. Is it an itinerary? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna as soon as we as soon as we finish this, I'm gonna figure it out and be like, oh man. Hey, there's a button I never use, the pause button. Ah editing. Editing in real time. <laughs> 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 All right, what was the uh what were the dossiers? Um oh. they're called duotangs. Um it's a brand name for a folder made of like cardstock paper you know what that actually makes a lot more sense and dollars than you would think you know since we say let's xerox this but it's just a brand name <laughs> but they just found the grooviest brand name i love that actually yeah uh so that's what that's what christopher nolan actually uses is duotangs because he's you know rich and he's got all this money he can actually afford brand name uh, paper folders. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, like I said earlier about my editing in the beginning and end, uh, bye for the 17th time. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see. What's the next movie? The next movie is Hack Saw Ridge ooh, ooh. with Spider Man. I... Yes. And... Yeah. The most recent Spider-Man. Ha ha ha. It's yeah, true. It is true. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>